0: you're listening to the dog summit on dogs by nature radio Uh,
1: we're extremely focused on getting the right head coach and the right gm and i can't stress enough um, one we feel terrible about what's happened but number two more determined than ever to get it right as we move forward i want to thank freddie for his two years here and um, certainly enjoyed our time with him Uh, we just did not feel like the team made enough progress we had a lot of conversations with john who's his good a man as, frankly, we've ever met, and certainly wish both he and Freddie well. I do think this sets us up um, well to first hire a head coach and then have the head coach be involved in the hiring of the GM. I want to stress it will not solely be the head coach's decision. It will be a collaborative uh, process involving ownership and several other members of uh, top management, if you will, as we hire the GM.
2: Welcome to part two of the the end-of-the-year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I am your host, Thelonious Seven. Brown's owner and de facto general manager Jimmy Haslam at the top of the show. He was sending his condolences to the Dorsey regime and looking forward to greener pastures on the other side of the hiring process. With the intrigue and spectacle looming, We've reached out to three members of the Cleveland podcast community to help us understand what happened and hopefully get some idea of how we can move forward. We're joined by Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz podcast, Brian Mitchell from the Bernie Kosark podcast, as well as John Cahill of Two Green Browns fame. This is the second half of a two part series. You don't need to listen in order to appreciate the contributions of our guests. So without further ado, let's get back into the dog summit. Last session we started with the general, talking about how bad the Browns fans have it, talking about what we learned from last season, and thinking about what were the most important things that happened. But this time we're gonna talk about the largest figures within the organization. And that discussion starts And that discussion starts with none other than Baker Mayfield. Here's the question. Why do you think that Baker ultimately struggled this year? What needs to happen this offseason to make next year better? How close is he to getting replaced? We'll start the discussion with John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast.
3: Well, first of all, I don't think Baker's going anywhere. I think Baker's here for the long term. Um, Yes, worrying um, that that he has requests. Multiple factors for Breaker's regression. Obviously, he has to take some of that on the chin. He has to uh, reflect himself and and have a little look at what was going on. Um, O-line play did not help. Um, At points in the year, we had... Uh, we had Jarvis and Odell on long developing runs down the field whilst Baker obviously didn't have time to wait in the pocket and was scrambling to get out. I I think scheme has a little bit to do with that. Uh, I also think, as I alluded to in an earlier question, I think it was a huge mistake surrounding people, surrounding Baker with people um, that he's familiar with and surrounding people and put them in a really comfortable situation I think Baker he's one of these guys that needs to face a little bit of adversity he needs to face he needs to have that little chip on his shoulder he needs that kind of motivation he wasn't happy with Greg Williams he wasn't happy with Todd Haley he wasn't happy with Hugh Jackson and he was playing better when those guys were there so I, I think maybe there's a little bit of something in that I really don't think he's, he's going to be replaced I don't think he's, he's anywhere near that I think a change of a um, change faces around them particularly QB coach and offensive coordinator are going to be huge huge appointments for Baker and um, I'd like to see maybe him with a little bit of change of attitude where he, he he does present a little bit like he like he know like he's like he knows everything and he doesn't need to do anything to improve or whatever. But I, I think he will have a little chat with himself this off season and realize he needs to do a little bit more and he needs to be, be a little bit more prepared or whatever that needs to be done to to get the team to a point. And I think he will. I think he's a very very steep learning curve this year and. Whilst next year, I don't think it's a make or break year for him. I think he needs to show significant improvement uh, next year. And I think that'll happen. I have, I have every confidence uh, that Baker will uh, will improve next year and uh, that we'll see, we'll see a little bit more of 2018 Baker and uh, that things will be better for the team all around. Maybe that's just me being an eternal optimist. I'm not sure hopefully, hopefully it'll be um, it'll be uh, it'll be proved right.
2: Well, John, from your lips to God's ears, let's hope Baker returns to form sooner rather than later. And once again, you've hammered on the point that Baker Mayfield needs a coach to set a high standard as well as to hold him accountable. Curious to hear what Rod Bloom has to say on this one.
4: You know, there, there's a lot to say with Baker. Um, Baker, you know, it was an up and down season for Baker, mostly down. Um, he, he had a, he had a few good games. Uh, he had a lot of nice throws throughout the season. He was inconsistent. I think there's, uh, you know, th- there's a lot to talk about there. There's a lot to kind of figure out in the offseason. But I think we have to be realistic as Browns fans it, when we're looking at a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Baker went. He, Baker threw for 20 touchdowns. That's two years in a row for 20 touchdowns. Uh, we haven't had a quarterback do that in Cleveland since Brian Sipe, which uh, most people who are listening to this probably uh, didn't see play. So <laughs> that tells you it's been a long, long time. Uh, so uh, so you have to be realistic that um, Baker playing poorly is still a lot better than anything we've had in Cleveland. In in decades so we have to kind of temper the the anger at Baker for how poorly he played uh, but with that being said he obviously took a step back and I, I do think there's truth to uh, truth to the idea that court that sophomore quarterbacks uh, often regress and it, a good kickback on this, I know, because people say it's coaching and everything else, but you can look up any number of quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, and a lot of them were not good in their second and sometimes even their third season. Uh, They were better their rookie season, and then they have a a down season or two, and then they bounce back, and they get really, really good eventually, and that's what makes them great. Um, We don't know what Baker's ceiling is yet, but I'm confident the Baker's going to bounce back from this. Um, I also think that Baker may have been pressing due to the slow start. I mean, the Browns started two and two before going two and six, and you know he was obviously out of sorts, um, just you know throwing off his back foot and just having a rough time. I think the the offensive line not giving him great protection just kind of had him had him spooked i think a lot this year and he just had i think that may have led to some mechanical issues and you know or some mechanics issues and um you know i, I just think uh i just think he probably got in his own head a little bit but i'm not worried about baker i think baker's gonna be okay and um, I, I just i have a good feeling that he's uh he's gonna work pretty hard this off season. I think he'll get with his guys and I think we're going to see uh, Baker come out and look a lot better next season. I also think uh, I also think there's going to be an emphasis on getting somebody in who's a lot better at working with Baker than, uh, than the people we had this season on the coaching staff.
2: Rod, I appreciate you bringing up the name of Brian Sipe in this discussion. When I think about it, that's where I see Baker Mayfield's ceiling. That's good enough to win some championships if the right things happen around him. However, very unlikely that four coaches in three years is the best situation for anyone. (laughs) So let's hear from Brian Mitchell to see why he thinks Baker struggled.
0: I think Baker failed by hiring his friends. And then Freddie... Hired his friends, and that's no good. When you don't have a track record of winning, you're, you're a running back coach, and now you become a coach, and you don't have any experience. So um, don't hire your friends. This isn't, this isn't a party, okay? You, this isn't the National Football League. You get people that know, have been around, and do their job well. Baker relaxed, and he knew it, I, um, and I doubt we'll ever move on with Baker uh, for a little bit, I mean, um, he showed that he can play, he just needs to have someone yell at him, honestly, I mean, that's what I said before, He's, he just needs someone, he needs someone that can yell at him and tell him that you're doing bad, instead of patting him on the back, like, you can do better, Baker, it's like, no, you're you're crap, and I won't, I won't punch you in the face, but I can't because I employ
2: you, you know. <laughs> I love the tact, but I appreciate the underlying point as well with the truth can sometimes hurt. And that means that you need an even bigger personality to deliver that message to a guy, the character the size of Baker Mayfield. So while it seems like we have consensus on Baker being the QB of the near future, The team around him on the lines and on the defensive side of the ball is riddled with question marks. I asked these guys how they would rate the work of John Dorsey as a team builder before we knew his ultimate fate. I asked how confident they would have been with another year with the full Dorsey at the helm. And if they saw a reasonable chance at the playoffs in that scenario. Let's hear what Rod Bloom has to say about our former GM, John Dorsey.
4: John Dorsey did a lot of things right. John Dorsey really upgraded this roster. He added a lot of depth, and it was very evident at times when... Look at the first part of the season when when Denzel Ward and uh, Greedy Williams were both out, and the Browns had had corners to come in and and play, and and they didn't miss a beat. They actually played very well. Um, We had some nice rotational guys on defensive line you're gonna have some you're gonna have some fall off when guys like uh, like miles and 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 vernon aren't in there but uh, i think in years past when we lost the starter it was like oh my gosh you know you felt like like somebody was coming in out of the stands to play sometimes john dorsey really um added depth at a lot of positions okay but he also he also didn't address a few spots. Um, he also he also did the uh, the OBJ trade, which which like I talked about earlier, bumped those expectations up too high. Uh, I think signing Kareem Hunt did the same thing. I, I think if I think if you go into the season with uh, with uh, without Kareem Hunt and OBJ and you have Evan Zeitler there, I think the expectations are a little bit different. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how the season goes, but I, I don't think people are talking Super Bowl. And, and maybe uh, maybe the season goes a little bit differently. So um, it's hard to say. Of course, you still have the same coach, but um, we just don't know about that.
2: I described it as 11 year cycles. Dorsey's work harkens back to that of Bill Savage, who in 2008 leveraged all of his future assets to attain players to win now. Of course, when that team didn't win right away, Bill Savage was relieved of his responsibilities and took a position in Mobile, Alabama. I think it's not unfair to say that the hype surrounding those big win-now moves somehow had something to do with his demise. So next, let's hear from Brian Mitchell of the Bernie Kosar Podcast. Brian, how did you rate the work of one John Dorsey? Uh, I gotta give Dorsey a C-minus. Uh, I, I felt like he got cute. Um, Duke,
0: tra- Duke Johnson got traded super early. Um, earlier than they probably wanted to. Um, he probably wanted to get a couple weeks in before you can have Cream Hunt back. So, um, I think that hindered Baker. But that's also Baker understanding what he needs to do to uh, transform himself if he's not going to have someone there. Um, but what can he do with that? Um, it, it, he built a lot of key position uh, with risk. He put people that were risking very, very important spots. Like, you can't put Greg Robinson out there here, be like, hey, here's this, here's this one-year Contract, you know, we'll play it out. Be good. No one for uh, Greg to really be scared behind him on the depth chart. Be like, oh yeah, he's going to take my job. Like, no one, no one's on that on that depth chart can do it. And you can see that with the trade with Austin Corbett because Dorsey missed. So I don't know. I think we still can make the playoffs, but it's going to be really tough. Because you have to fill so many positions. And you can only do so much in the draft and free agency. And now, um, if he goes with, with Joe B. from LSU, you're going to have Raven Steelers Cincy fighting for playoff spots. So you have not much room for error here. And you have to be confident that you can be uh, a player against those, against those teams, so Dorsey just needs to find some, some gems that are not risky and just hopefully just find guys that can play
2: and want to play football. The amount of risk that Dorsey took in constructing this roster is reflected in the way that Freddie Kitchens coached this team with his 4th and nine draw plays and the way that Baker did with his red zone interceptions these guys continually gambled with money that they could not afford to lose and that is the pathology of a player who is hemorrhaging value Dorsey was trying to do too much as did Kitchens, as did Baker It was that expectation that it needs to be right now, as opposed to always. That's what hurts. It hurts us as fans to watch this because it comes from the top. And it's absolutely hamstrung, this organization. So let's hear from John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast. How do you think things played out with John Dorsey? So John Dorsey
3: um, has just exited the building and... um it's a very difficult one. It's, it's a very, very difficult one. There's, there's, there's half of me thinks that here we go again, stripping down the front office. Nobody gets time to do anything. It's a terrible look for the organization. And it is, there's no, there's no getting away from that. There's no getting away from the fact that GMs now look around and go, God, geez, look, like, you know, it, it, it does look a little bit like a shit show. However, on the other side of that, would we be happy? with John Darcy staying in in situ and running Freddie and his team back next year, that which just really wasn't an option. And um, Darcy, it, it, it looks like was was willing to go down that road and, and maybe go down with Freddie. That that's fine too. And I, I think one of the big problems I've I've seen in the organisation over the last few years has been competing ideologies in the building and Sashi and Hugh, and, and apparently with the Podesta and um, with John Darcy. My wish and, and my goal for the for the coming years is that we have everyone more in unison in the building we have guys that that Podesta, uh can work with that the general manager and and the head coach that can work together and to have them have them all there uh, as for as for Darcy's performance as a team builder you can't get away from the fact that this was this was the, one of the, the worst performing team was the worst performing team in, in the NFL Darcy comes in brings in a bunch of guys you get your Jarvis your OBG um, we get Hunt in the door we've got all the weapons uh, brought in a lot of guys there uh, good performance maybe on that front that's for drafting you know um, I'm fifty fifty on, on on how all that goes. the the the, the draft is a bit of a crapshoot, but then you look across the teams, like the Raiders having a great draft last year with Mike Mayock uh, in the building. You look at the you look at the likes of the, um, the Indianapolis Colts having great drafts there with Chris Ballard, and and you think maybe we could be doing a little bit better on that front. But that that's that's down to personnel, and that's down to um, that's down to the, the the scouting departments, and stuff like that. So I wouldn't firmly place that all on on one person's head. Um, I think overall it was probably the correct decision for Darcy to go and probably was not going to work um, in the long term it feels bad it feels wrong it's a bad look for the franchise I, I get all that however long term view it may be what had to be done to get the organization to where we want to be and where we need to be.
2: The Browns certainly couldn't continue with Kitchens and Dorsey certainly died on that hill. I can see how it happened and I can see how it went wrong, but I don't see how the people who keep building it don't realize that they have to keep rebuilding it because they're always building it wrong. And I guess that takes us to our final question, which is the question of ownership. Is it fair to critique Jimmy and D in part for the failures of 2019? What advice would you give them if you had their ear in a face-to-face meeting? Of course, we're going to lead off with Brian Mitchell of the Bernie Kosar podcast. Well, I I would say Jimmy and D,
0: they were in, in tough positions because they finally had a team... That uh, that was getting the buzz that they finally bought it for, and uh, your your rookie quarterback goes off, and you know you're like, okay, let's just keep everything the same, and you these get you, Jimmy and D are coming from a business standpoint. It's like okay, you keep these guys in the same position because they did it before, and you know everything should be okay, um, and we kind of forgot that there's more to that yeah you can get the right people and people can stay but uh things change uh, for everyone especially um if obj came in hurt and we're still playing him you know what if we didn't you know there's a lot of different things of that jimmy J- jimmy and d's like well obj's hurt but he can still play, right? He's like, yeah, he can. But are they making that call because they're they're selling tickets? I I'm not sure how that all works, but I'm pretty sure Jimmy, you know, has a talk with OBJ. Like, how you doing? You, you playing? I'm paying you a lot of money. Here's all the money. Here's the check. I'll give you an extra check right now. You know, so I'm not sure how that works, but ooh. But if I if I had a face-to-face Whoa I would first Have to ask Um Why did you draft Johnny Manziel? Well, just just, a just, uh, Why Why did you do Why do you do Something dumb like that? I don't know Um But I would say for my My advice for Jimmy And Dee If I could if they could I hope they would have Good water and stuff To At their office and stuff Uh But I would ask how would you handle a a locker room full of egomaniacs, first off. Um, and I would give I would give potential coaches scenarios of what they saw that they had a problem with with Freddie in certain games against the Rams, you know, whatever. And like what would you do differently? Because I think that's when you'll see, you know, the coach that can come up with three different things that they could have done that should have worked. Um, but don't let anyone else... Let let the Paul DePodesta be the guy, all right? I know he's in the background pulling all the strings like Senator Palpatine, but... Um, you got to have that guy. You got to let him do his thing. So let him do it. Let him pull Let him pull the trigger. Let him get Ski.
2: Would love for Dee Podesta to take a more centralized role in this organization. But as it looks, it seems like he's going to stay in the position that he is. And the structure will largely remain the same. Although, here's to hoping that Andrew Barry finds his way back to this organization. Okay. Let's go to John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast. What do you think about the ownership in this case?
3: That's a very interesting question because that, to me, this is the key—the key to all the Browns' ills lay at the door of ownership, and it really is to the point now where, if they get this next, if they get the next round of hires wrong, at that point. Is are we at a point where there's no redemption, or are we at a point where, you know, what's the point? What's the point? Like, the, the, Jimmy, Jimmy, and D need to realize that they need to realize that they have the best, the one of the best fan bases in sports. Never mind the NFL in sports; they're one of the most loyal fan bases. This fan base has been kicked around. This fan base has been kicked up and down the road basically by ownership for the last 20 years like nothing nothing appears to be going right and, and at the end of the day you know uh, is is it Ray Farmer's fault is it Michael Barney's fault is it um, John Dorsey's fault that our franchise is viewed the way it is and and the answer is no there's one consistent there's one there's one consistent thread here in uh, <clears throat> in the last so many years that that this that this has been going on and Jimmy and Dee have a lot a lot of questions to answer if, <clears throat> if I had if I had their ear in a meeting if I was sitting down face to face with them at this point what I would say is can you please find the people who you Can entrust to run this franchise and let them do their jobs get your gm get your strategy manager get whoever and stand back stand back and and just let them do their jobs make a long-term plan get people in and say look come what may you have five years whatever the franchise needs stability the franchise really needs stability it needs good people needs good people in the right positions and stability they're the things that I think the fan base kind of crave and I, I think if you pull Annie Brown's fan aside and say look you know uh would you accept you know and we've done this but it's actually like you know this was the this was what we were we were told we were told right a bad season or two this gets you into position to do x y and z and that hasn't happened like we suffered we suffered 0 16 and 1 and 15 we suffered those seasons to get to winning seasons to get to playoffs you know and fans can logically write that off what we can't do is to suffer those seasons and run the same crap back and to end up maybe with a season like we had, and, and it really isn't good enough. It really is not good enough. So Jimmy and D, if you're listening, if you're listening, bit of stability, get the right guys in. Now again, you know this has this has been a problem. Like I'd love to know who who's who's advising them and who's making who's getting them to make decisions or who's like because in business, like they're obviously they've obviously made a lot of money in business, and to me they don't appear to be running the Browns franchise like a business and it appears to be decisions made very hastily or you know to change their mind on something or whatever but they need to stand back and let people do their jobs and let general managers manage and, and, and let the strategy guys come up with whatever strategy has to come up with and you know maybe maybe in the passage of time um our reputation will improve and when I mean reputation I mean like you know we we get we get a lot of negative feedback you turn on you turn on media you turn on any national media and basically we look like a circus and as a fan it's so disheartening and it's very disheartening when you're talking to particularly here in Ireland we, we'd have a lot of Patriots fans a lot of uh, Steelers fans a lot of Green Bay fans a lot of Dallas fans all successful franchises because that that's how that's how NFL travels internationally with, with the successful teams like. and there is a very small cohort of Browns fans that are the, the Browns fans are so much more passionate and so much more and we have to be we have to be because <clears throat> otherwise like how would we survive like you know I mean, you, you have Patriots fans there getting playoffs and getting Super Bowls and, and, and successful teams that, that's what keeps them going and when those teams cease to be successful a lot of these fans go away Browns fans don't and Jimmy and D need to realise the resource that they have in the Browns fan base and that at a certain point there will come a breaking point where fans are going to go I can't deal with this any longer and and this for me obviously going to support the team and, and it's not going to be you know I'm not talking about walking away from the team or not supporting the team or whatever but um, <clears throat> there's a certain level of apathy will start to creep in if this is just rinse and repeat every year, every year and a half, new coach, new GM, new coach, new GM, and no progress. You need to see the progress, and, and they need to realize that that's something that has to happen in the short-to-medium-term future, or they're going to have problems.
2: I mean, but, but, John, at what point do you recognize the repeated failures as insanity? I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But we've been on this particular ride since 2012— I think he's definitely earning his reputation. Well, before we wrap up this discussion, we need to hear from Rod Bloom of the Browns Blitz podcast. Rod, how do you value the role of ownership?
4: I know a lot of people don't like the Haslams as owners, and and I can understand that. Uh, they're the ones who ultimately keep putting us through this cycle of higher, fire, higher, fire, higher, fire rebuild rebuild you know turn the roster over hire somebody else fire somebody and it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on the thing i saw this season was that they they put john dorsey in charge they let him do his thing and they stayed out of the way so uh, i don't have a problem with that in the past jimmy haslam was always in there. Kind of sticking his nose in, kind of stirring things up, and that didn't happen. So, uh, for me, that was that was an improvement out of the Haslems this season. Um, I, I guess it depends what you're looking for. I, I think we all kind of knew what was going to happen with Freddie because of the fact that that both Dorsey and the Haslums disappeared near the end of the season. Nobody, nobody was out there giving freddie an endorsement helping him out he was on his own he was just kind of a man on an island there are those you know over the last half of the season um, everybody else disappeared but um, overall i thought you know if the haslam's stay out of the way i would much rather have that happen than have them sticking their nose in thinking they know how to run uh, a football operation my final thoughts kind of revolve around john dorsey a little bit if i can step back to that for a moment we've been through this before guys we know that if a new GM comes in he's gonna want to put his stamp on the team they want to get rid of all the other guys players yeah hope hopefully we're not looking at a total rebuild but um, because I think a lot of people feel like this team is pretty close to to competing Um, you know maybe maybe the right coach can help this team to compete but you got to be realistic. If a coach comes in, sets up his own schemes, his uh, own playbook, he's going to want his players in there, especially if he brings in his own GM. So I think that um, if Dorsey doesn't stick around, I think there's a good chance that, that um, the new GM and coach kind of set this up as a two year plan. They will get rid of some guys. Kind of start a little bit younger and without extreme expectations the first season. Kind of try to get the team to gel, play well, give Baker a season to grow, and then go for it the second season.
2: I think that's what you're going to see. Rod, your proclivity for optimism rivals that of the great easy weave. Thanks for putting your positive spin on the ownership question. And with that, we'll wrap things up. But before we get out, we'll hear final words from each of our participants. A very big thank you to Rod Bloom of the Brown Splits podcast. Any parting words?
4: I want to thank Dogs by Nature Radio for having me on this year-end Dog Summit. Everybody hang in there. Things are going to be okay, and the Browns will be back eventually. Just kind of stick together here in the Dog Pound and once again, you can follow me at CLE Rodby and catch my podcast at the Browns Blitz. Thanks, everybody.
2: We definitely appreciate your presence. Thanks so much for joining us on this program. Up next we have Brian Mitchell of the Bernie Kosar Podcast. Any final thoughts? Ooh, any final thoughts? Any final
0: thoughts? Um I would say. <clears> hmm. <throat> Let's just be diligent in the draft uh, If you're going to find If you're going to resign, sign Let's do that quickly But It's time to now fire Steve Wilkes Steve Wilkes needs to go And I think If we find some defensive identity I think everything else will
2: fall into place Alright See you later Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to doing it again soon. And finally, we have John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast. John, what are your final thoughts?
3: My final thoughts are this year is going to be good. I'm I'm, I'm in a positive frame of mind. Um, as I said before, my expectations will be tempered. Uh, I'm not going to jump up and down about who he's uh, appointed as a GM or as a manager frankly there's no one out there that that's making me go Ooh, i, I can't wait to see that, that person appointed i just want the right people in the right positions to do a good job and to get the franchise into the playoffs i i, I really am with the talent we have we need to be pushing for playoffs and that's what will keep the fan base on site so as i said my final thoughts are onwards and upwards this year for the Browns. and hopefully for the playoffs but um, a a great quote um, that I've seen uh, written around a lot of times this year and it's very relevant to the Browns and it basically says zero expectation 100% hope so that's really my final thoughts for the Browns for the coming year
2: at John Kyle underscore IRL you couldn't have put it better so with that we'll put a bow on this end of the year dog summit on Dogs by Nature Radio. I am your host, Thelonious Seven. Take care.